Hello. Hello, my darling. How are you doing? What's going on? Oh my God, long time no see. Yeah, it's been a minute. What's happening? Nothing much. I had eye surgery, as you know, and then um, I've been resting up and then just uh, kind of getting back in the flow of things. So John's looking uh, for the sympathy out of the gate. Out of the gate. With the oh, get guys. out of here. Absolutely. Hey, look, I'm Jewish. We don't complain about our ailments first. And <laughs> what kind of conversation is it? Yeah, right. Oh, you're killing it, girl. You are killing it. We got a new special coming out. Uh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, on the on the podcast today, the very funny Ms. Cracker. Yay! I'm so glad to be here. Oh, my gosh. It's so glad to hear your voice and to talk to you. But you got a new special out. Yeah, I'm so excited. And it's funny. It's been a year in the making, and I feel like bringing it out is like releasing this huge loogie from the throat of my life i'm just oh like <laughs> just like, like it is hala. Hala. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> i mean let's talk about it a little bit because i remember when you were kind of like about to film this because it was like pandemic times and we were doing yeah. we were doing fucking outdoor shows in coney island for cars yeah, yeah for cars and i was i was just starting out and um, just sort of learned the ropes. And I think I did my first, uh, I was just doing my first 10, my first tight 10 with you. And I got this opportunity to do this. And they're like, do you have an hour? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> Here's a great thing. And, and I always say this to you, you're so humble. You were, you are royalty in the, uh, the drag world in New York. Then yeah. you move on to, dra- to, to uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You yeah. crush it over there. You're back again. And then you're like, you know what? I want to go back to my roots of comedy. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, honey. That's like going backwards a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I, love- <laughs> I, I like for my mother is a painter. And so I you know we both consider ourselves artists. And she said she boredom is her biggest enemy. And I uh, accomplished everything I wanted to in drag. And I was like, what more would I want to do? And I was like, I want to do comedy, but I want to do it legitimately. And so I wanted to start from, from scratch, from the very beginning and just do open mics at different places and um, really earn my way the way that other comedians do. And mm-hmm. obviously I have a huge leg up, but I just wanted to go through the process and have those experiences of standing in front of straight people and bombing a couple of times before you <laughs> get, you know, I mean, like, I it's, get just, it. like I get it. it's so essential. I mean, you were doing, I mean, Greg, you know, this place, it's called the tiny cupboard. Love yeah. those people over the tiny cupboard. It yeah. is up like four flights of stairs. And yeah. then you were, and then it's like, you had to go upstairs, like onto the roof, like climb a ladder pretty much. And yeah. you're doing this all in heels during the height of the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. Like working it out. As like, a train goes by. Yeah. <laughs> there had to be a moment though, when you were standing up there and the L is like zooming by, you're just like, what the hell am I doing with my life right now? Oh, absolutely. Especially because I'm, I'm afraid of heights and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's why I, I was afraid of the heights I had achieved in drag and I was like let me go let me go back down to the streets and and get myself reoriented and grounded and it it, it really was an incredible experience and um it, uh, like so many people uh, like were involved in helping me like 
navigate my way. Like Mateo Lane really uh, was one of those people that was like, hey, you got to do this. You got to do that in order to get your chops and earn your stripes. Like you got to do these uh, these little things. And, and I love doing them. Nothing grounds you faster than climbing a fire escape to get up to a comedy show. I know. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Oh, it's so true. So did you, did, have you, have you done, and I apologize if, if this is an obvious question, but have you done stand up out of drag? Yeah, I have done stand up out of drag. Um, and especially when I was working on my tight 10, um, I was like, you know, people are going to applaud for a drag queen. So there were a couple of occasions where I did it out of drag so that I didn't have the advantage of right. having a wig and lashes so that people sure. would be like, oh, look, it's pretty, you know. <laughs> so I did that a couple of times. I did it out of drag. And then um, as the special developed, so much of it was about being a drag queen um, that I was like, you know, I really got to be in drag for this. and. Right. I mean, it's 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 awesome to see kind of uh, your trajectory in the last uh, couple of years now, and you know you've been touring. You did some great stuff. You were out in uh, Europe, uh, yeah. touring. And mm-hmm. how was that? Tell me about tell me about like going back. I mean, first of all, pandemic kind of like pseudo over, even though Joe Biden has COVID right now. But you fly over there, and we're talking sold out shows all over Europe, girl. Yeah, that was really incredible, especially because of uh, translation. I use a lot of American and drag slang um, uh-huh. in in my uh, in my hour. And so when I was performing over there, I had to translate a lot of the words into local lingo and um, like a lot of the metaphors, change a lot of the metaphors. It was really crazy how like steep that that learning curve was like just trying to be like, okay, so you don't have the phrase run a train on somebody here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to come up with somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> so like, yeah. And they don't really have the word slut there. They, you know, they have slag. And so I was like, I was like, uh, okay. Learning as quickly as I possibly could, um, how to translate all my slang. Oh my um, gosh. What did you have? Like a local that was kind of with you kind of like running yeah. your stuff. For sure. Yeah. And I would just ask everyone every day, just be like, okay, wait, what? You don't have this here, do you? I can tell because nobody's laughing at this joke at all. And uh, they would help me sort of translate it a little bit. Unbelievable. When when you were, when you were doing like just running around town, doing like the 10, 15 minute spots in in were you putting on like the full thing, head to toe makeup and everything just, you know, to go out and do 10 minute spots. Cause then I imagine a couple hours to get dressed to go out and do 10 minutes and then walk back down a fire escape. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's very true because we always say my co-pilot in life, Caitlin and I were always like 90% of gigs. You spend more time at the mirror than you do at the gig itself. Yeah. So, and that was never more true than when I was doing comedy In comedy. I was like spending two hours. Well, especially because I live in Harlem. So I was spending two hours getting my face an hour, getting to the gig 10 minutes on the stage and an hour getting back and then an hour getting out of drag. And then I was just like, it was just like this little, Klondike bar of uh, Neapolitan ice cream of uh, drag, was, and I it just was, I, it was fun. How at least at least because you're in Harlem, it's an easy train ride up down to me at in the Upper West Side over at Santa. Yeah, Park, which is great. That's right. Um, but then jumping around, but then hitting the Brooklyn scene. And were you able to go back to 
what do I mean? What's the feeling? Because obviously there is this whole, um, and I don't want to call it a schism, but there's this idea of, of what true drag is, and people say that you know falling on the laurels of comedy isn't true drag. Were you able to? kind of go back to those places that you started like to a hardware and be like, Hey, you know what? Can I do some comedy over here? No, because what I was trying to do is break out of the drag world a little bit. Cause I had been so entrenched in it. And honestly at those venues expect like high power dance numbers. Right. Um, and so they don't really have the attention span even for a 10 minute spot. Um, and there are a few drag bars that have like comedy nights, but they're just not as popular as those high energy, um, Beyonce remix, Gaga remix, jump split, you know, foot pop, pot of array moments. Um, and, uh, so I really was trying to challenge myself to get out of there and to find my way in, in the world outside. And my hope is that the special, uh, finds a life outside of the drag audience and that, you know, people can, um, who don't know anything about drag can right. follow it. I tried not to mention RuPaul's Drag Race really, mm -hmm. um, except for maybe once or twice, because I mean, honestly, facts are facts, you know? Right. Um, but, uh, I try not to lean too heavily on, uh, the fandom's knowledge of me and, and try to create something that would work for a new audience too. That was really important to me. So are we looking in the next, let's say, I mean, your next stage show, I mean, how much yeah. is performance and how much is stand up now? Or are yeah. you, you going to be transitioning over that now? You, hopefully that your theater shows are just going to be all stand up and maybe your openers are performance. Are you looking in that direction? What's funny is that I've found this beautiful hybrid. I'm doing a residency in Provincetown at Art House oh. Theater right now. Yes. And um, it is about half and half, 50% stand-up and 50% dance numbers. And I, it's really helped me realize that, uh, you know, they say, get you a girl who can do both. And, <laughs> and, that's, and, I'm, finding my, and I'm finding my way there. I'm finding my way as far as being a, a performer and a stand-up comedian. And uh, yeah, especially, especially off the cuff comedy, um, getting back into, uh, into that, into improvised comedy, because at this show, the audience expects you to really engage with them and to really see them and not just read from a script on the back of your eyelids. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've been, I've been doing that too. It's been, it's been really great. What, what is, what did, what did you like? I mean, I'm assuming you did. Well, I don't want to make an assumption. So what did you do first drag or comedy? First I did drag. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, I started in drag and then I accidentally on my first night, uh, told some bad joke on the mic and a couple people laughed and I was like, Ooh, I really like that. Right. Um, and I realized that telling jokes, was going to be a big part of my drag right away. So I sort of became New York's comedy queen. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was in that first gig that I realized that's how it was going to be. And how, how long went, how, how long ago was that? That was 10 years. Wow. 10 years. I've been running around New York city, uh, in pantyhouse. Uh, talk about a little bit about the drag scene 10 years ago. You know, obviously it is. A yeah. World, what yeah. New York city is. And, 
you know, it's uh, drag has really becoming into um, um, into the open. Um, obviously, yeah. and we'll talk a little bit more about the the political behind it. But was it? I mean, how was it? Like, what, where could you perform um, in New York City? Yeah, there were a couple of bars that had drag shows, and you could. Uh, when it came to drag queens, not to use another Jewish metaphor, but number the stars um, as far as how many of them there were. And I started drag without having seen RuPaul's Drag Race. There were a lot of queens who hadn't watched it. Um, it was a completely different environment. Now the drag queens that are becoming stars right now have been doing drag for three years. They started it because they saw RuPaul's Drag Race and they um, have an expectation of uh, global success Whereas uh, back then you were just hoofing it around from bar to bar with a couple of other weirdos who did drag and uh, you never expected anything to come from it. You were just doing this after your uh, day job, probably um, looking for a way to like kick up your heels and feel like somebody else for a couple of minutes before you had to get back on the goddamn subway. You know, <laughs> I, it, it's funny because I have a, I have a very good friend whose son is um a drag queen i'm sure you know mm -hmm. you know him bible girl oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so he's, a, he's his father's a very good friend of mine and actually zach worked for me for a while and i think he finally she is finally on rupaul's drag race now we're one of the one of the versions of it mm -hmm. and, i mean i've known i've known him since he was a little kid <laughs> and yeah watching him go through that whole progression and he was really great at his craft like yeah the whole persona i mean it's really awesome and i've seen the show a bunch of times and um it you know i i don't like do people in the community like is that the pinnacle getting on drag race at this point or is that just like like how is it looked at within the community like now that he's it took he tried out for so many times and got passed and then finally now he's involved in it somehow is, like is that the top or like what does it mean to be on that at this point Honey, Miss Cracker is the top. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Sorry, only you, top. You know yeah, me. People. I'm your biggest cheerleader. I'm a huge cheerleader of you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for some drag queens, it is. And for some drag queens, it isn't. And for some drag queens that I respect very much, including uh, Keisha Carr and Pixie Aventura in New York City, top drag queens who are like, listen, I'm not interested in doing rupaul's drag race to be a ruler here in new york city is the goal and right. just to build my career on my own from there is what i want to do um and i think that that's um so incredible because sure. it's a it's, it can can be a much more challenging path but a much more rewarding path yeah, so for sure. it depends from queen to queen um right. but some queens are like if i don't get on the show i don't exist right. and you know, uh I it's crazy. I don't think that's quite true, you know. Yeah, I'm just curious because you know it's it's like all the singing competitions now. It's like what? Yeah. You know, how do you look at, at the competition format as to what it can do for your career? Well, and right. You need it I mean, if you're that at, you know if you're really busting your ass and work and hard and yes. great. Like it, you don't is, necessarily. Yeah. Need is it the top zeitgeist though? You like uh, you know be on RuPaul's Drag Race, but you know I mean I knew Ms. Cracker before she was on you know, on, on yeah. drag race, you know what I mean? And you, yeah. and I, I alluded to that before that you were on top of your game in New York city. Like yeah. you could draw, you could, I mean, I'm one of your favorite slides, like you were able to ride the subway and drag and, every, and yeah. people would know who you are, but you talk a little bit about those that have been in the game for two to three years and all of a sudden are shooting right to the top. 
Yeah. Just to play I, devil's advocate, you kind of did the same thing with comedy. And right. there's a lot of people in our industry who are just like, you know, like you get A-list celebrities or sometimes A-list celebrities that fall from grace, that fall back onto uh, fall into stand-up comedy. You know, you have people like Will Smith, uh, who had that comedy thing that went out a couple uh, on like Tubi a couple of years ago. And like, yeah. he was trying comedy. And there's this kind of, there was almost a disdain for people right. that right. kind of jumped into it. Did you ever feel that in the, the stand-up realm? Well, I think that I avoided it because people saw that I was not coming in and saying, from the beginning, uh, look, I am somebody, I'm not going to work for free. I'm her majesty, Miss Cracker. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. uh, people saw that I wanted to learn and, and I got a really incredible opportunity because of who I am. But before I had that opportunity and before I was, um, asked to do the special, I was just roaming around um, starting from the beginning and, and doing open mics and doing small spots and everything like that. So I think people saw that and they were like, um, uh, okay, this person is probably a little off in the head, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I but wish I, I still it. had, the, yeah. yeah, I wish I still had the message from Mateo when he texts me, he says, yeah. he's like, Hey John, like I got a friend might know her, Ms. Cracker. She's looking to do some stand up spots. Do you have anything? And this is like, peak pandemic you know what i mean when yeah. i was doing the outdoor shows and i was like absolutely we're gonna yeah. do this you know and and you know you you, you brought uh, you came there to the park shows i remember at cheap meadow in full regalia ready to go yeah. and you took it seriously like you you didn't dress down for it like you, you that was who you are you know what i mean you yeah spent the two hours and i remember people like zach zimmerman and other comics yeah. being like i can't believe like this is awesome that they're doing this we get to this part and it's funny uh, greg and i talk about this all the time with other comedians is that during the pandemic a lot of comedians popped up and granted you're very different from that but we had these tiktok comics uh, uh right. comics, the instagram yeah. comics and all of a sudden they felt that they could do a full hour you went on you're grinding it out and all of a sudden we're at the tribeca film festival pretty yeah much, yeah when yeah, you're recording yeah. so they tell you that you're going to be doing uh doing an hour special what's going through your head first of all I, uh, of course i need to write something yeah hey, before, before going through your head i'm curious did did you have to like prove to brian you had the hour before he, he was like let's do this hour no he was foolish <laughs> <laughs> oh brian and, and brian's on the line right now <laughs> he knows it he, i i got off the phone and i immediately i called bob the drag queen okay. and i was like i've just agreed to do an hour of stand-up comedy like what should i do and Bob was like, uh, girl, you better get up there and talk. <laughs> and I was like, thank you very much. I think that that advice is in the contract like, I, <laughs> and then I called Mateo and Mateo was like, if it's a money grab, don't do it. But if you think you have something to say, then I think you can do anything you put your mind to. And I was like, I think I have something I want to say. So I started writing the special about what it's like to be in a relationship during a pandemic and uh, writing all about my experience in the pandemic and uh, 
um, the relationship that I had at the time. And um, as people will find out when they uh, see the special, there are a couple of plot twists along mm-hmm. the way. Um, and my life really changed as I was in the process of writing. But but going to like, you know, going from, you know, just trying to, you know, get a tight 15 minutes or so to now having to do an hour. I mean, there had to be some level of comfort, though, to you doing it because you've been on stage for such a long time. Yeah. Doing may- maybe not stand up comedy, but in some form, you know, you've been presenting an act. Yeah. You know, for such I- a long time. I had been doing the Joan Rivers for years, which was every time I had a joke that people laughed at, I wrote it down on a note card and I filed it away under a category. Right. So I had been doing that for a long time. So I had two tight tens, which if I relaxed a little, were two 15 minute sets. And so that was half an hour. And then I just needed another half hour. So I went to my like catalog and I was like, okay, what do we have here? What do I think about the most? And what I think about mostly is the horror of uh, relationships. And that sort of (laughs) became the theme of the show. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at that. I mean, how much time did you have before you signed contract and you went to tape? Uh, Okay. Between signing and tape, it was four weeks. Okay. Now, mind you, all these tapings, because everything's happening. I got Helen Hong contacting me. She's like, I'm yeah. coming in for the Tribeca Com- Comedy uh, uh, Festival. Like, yeah. uh, And mind you, this is New York's coming out party, pretty much. Yeah. It's like, they, they were, they were, they're high. Like, did you feel any pressure being part of the Tribeca Film Festival? No, no pressure whatsoever. Oh, And having absolutely. all these other amazing, like, you know, comedians around you. There had to be a little bit of, like, there Trepidation. was I was terrified and so I I did uh karate when I was a kid. I You're a black belt. You can just say yeah. it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm we a all know. I did karate for 15 years. I competed nationally and I remember the one time I got a gold medal um was when I just woke up every day and worked until I couldn't work anymore and I did that every day and I just applied that to this uh, special. I woke up and worked on it until I couldn't work anymore. Um, and then I went out and watched other people's comedy. Um, mm-hmm. And then I went out and did my own, uh, like di- performed it in different sections at um, little 10 spots, 20 spots, you know, like I just pushed as hard as I could because I was terrified. I was Tribeca terrified. And uh, I just pushed and pushed as hard as I could. And I just like separated myself from all my friends and family for a little while and just like made this the thing. And um, that, yeah, that's how I got, that's how I got to that final product. And I remember standing up in the dressing room um, right before the show. And I was like, I haven't talked to my mom in a month. I can't (laughs) wait. (laughs) I can't wait to record this thing so I could go back and, you know, get some dick. To connect with family like you know what i mean i love your priorities get some dick <laughs> then see the family yeah exactly <laughs> oh that's my thanksgiving every year yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so this is i mean i now it's it's shot it's coming out you're doing you're doing the gambit of press you know brian always sends his people to us you know when when, when we're putting some when when they put when you're putting out stuff yeah how are you doing you did it you went through all that stress and now you got to promote it i mean how you yeah. feeling 
and you don't have the let's say you don't have the carrying um uh crutch of being like on a national television show anymore to kind of like help you with this how right how, how's the how's the grind yeah i mean i just want to push it as hard as i can because i put so much into it the only thing that's holding me back is that like i've grown as a comedian since then um i've been doing this special uh all over the country and uh it, it's developed and i'm like i'm like ah, oh, i it's such a strange position to be in to be like oh i wouldn't do it this way anymore but have yeah, a I'm look gonna, at it everybody yeah i'm gonna pry a little bit miss cracker yeah yeah are you are you sick of your own special already i am <laughs> <laughs> And it's, uh, I, I, I ask every, like, after the pandemic, there's people yeah. that were like, it was like not jerking off for like three days. And then finally you just blow it. And you're just like, you're just disgusted with yourself. Yes. Oh, exactly. You close the laptop and you're like, who am I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. No, but like, I, I went through a long period where I was sick of it. Um, but actually the other day, because I knew it would be going live, I watched it again and I was like, um, <laughs> am I a genius? Is this <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So you yes. go, you go back and forth with it. You go back and forth all the time. Sometimes you can't take it anymore. And yeah, it, it is, I guess it's, it's like, uh, it's like any relationship. Some days I wake up, I look at that special. I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing in my life. And other days I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get it out of my life. <laughs> So, so yeah i'm lucky to be able to do this new show uh in provincetown to kind of give me a, a little relief and variety greg can we go please greg yeah, can we no, go? It's actually the the i've probably i mean i've been to a whole bunch of drag shows in provincetown i went to college in boston and my college roommate had a house right in north truro so we used to go out there all the oh my time God. and i mean you know, we I would just go. We would just go to tons of shows and drink and have such a like a fun time. And I took my my kids up there last summer, and um, they, they were like, and they're they're older teenagers, and so they're cool with everything. And they were like, "Can we go to one of those shows?" And I'm like, "I don't know if I want to take a 15 year old." Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, a little body. Yeah. They're a little body and a little uh, a little. <laughs> Well, yeah. let's, let I mean, you changed gears there a little bit. Actually, you know, before we get into that, I want to talk about your show that's in uh, P-Town that you're currently doing right now. How is it? I mean, you're, you're doing stuff from the special, I'm assuming, and some new stuff as well. It's all new. It's, oh, all, it's new all new. I love stuff. it. Yeah. It's all new comedy and uh, like all new dance numbers that are basically the show is called Foolish and it's all of the uh, dance numbers that I always thought were too dumb to do. Um, but I put them all in one place and they make Amazing. sense together. Um, and How many nights a week are you working? Four nights a week. I'm on my third night in a row tonight. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I love it. The first night, the first night, everyone was like, that was good. That was good. I think what they meant is I bombed. 
the first night. <laughs> oh, no, um, they gave you that. The, the, yeah, they were like, they nice. were like, what a great. They were like, what? A, I'm so proud of you for doing your first show in Provincetown. <laughs> <laughs> the golf clap. It was the golf yeah. clap. Uh, yeah, that's what I. That's what I tell my niece when she comes off her dance recital and her fucking yeah, everyone's yeah, not even yeah. coordinated. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry so, you felt that. <laughs> so uh, can't, can't wait to but, see you do that in 13 years. Right. <laughs> But the second night I had myself in stitches. I think I was just more relaxed and I, and it was the show that I wanted it to be. The second night was really the night that I was just like, okay, this has come together. And I think it was all about me being uh, relaxed and not um, so intent on it being the greatest show I've ever done. I was like, you know what? This is a drag show. Calm down. You know, you know, I used to go to a lot of great Grateful Dead shows in my my day, and still, you know, whatever the the band that exists now, yeah, everyone was John Mayer. Like, it's John Mayer. It's That's John Mayer. Mayer. Yeah, shut up. And, and everybody was like, the whole thing is like, you never want to go to the first show. You always want to go to the second show or the yeah. third show, or whatever. And you let yeah. you know, you let the shit happen in the first show, and then you get to see, you know, the the comeback, if you will, not the comeback, but you know, yeah, like, a little more polished and a little more comfortable. And I don't know why that is because it's not like they haven't been playing shows for four weeks <laughs> before, you right? Exactly. Yeah. Night. But it's always go to the second night, and it's always the better show. So it makes sense. Yeah, you know, definitely. Sense. Yeah. We so, worked those kinks out. And and this is unlike um, uh, Here I Stand, this show involves ab- about four different costume changes, burlesque, a wig reveal, wig changes, choreography. Greg, I want to go. Yeah. I want to so, go, Greg. Yeah. I, I want to I just ask some questions from like your youth, right? Because you, yeah. you grew up in a very interesting kind of way, right? With like yeah. ultra-religious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I imagine a lot of that sort of shaped your comedic sensibilities yeah and, and into for sure like the whole drag thing but then also you were a teacher in africa <laughs> right so yeah well i actually was an english teacher for uh, african national students in right. harlem so uh i went and i actually was a student um in west africa of oh, wow. uh wolof the the language of senegal Wow, that's that's crazy. So how how much of all that like brought you into the world of entertainment? Like, did you did you have that from like well, the get-go when you were a little kid? And, or, and no, and- entertainment was like out of left field for me because like I did theater in high school, but that just is because I'm gay. Um, and uh, <laughs> the uh, I didn't I when I came to New York, I wasn't in entertainment at all. It was all a complete accident. Um, running into someone on the street who convinced me to to try drag, wow. and that was my first foray into entertainment. I had never really done that before, never seriously. The, everything that I, I mean, I wanted to be a Fulbright scholar. I wanted to um, do wool of language study and all of that. That's where my path was. I was writing grants for uh, museums, but. <laughs> something came out of left field and changed the trajectory of everything. And now I run around in heels, you know, right. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain New York life, but yeah. you know, you got to be careful who you run into on the street. You may change your career. Honestly. I mean, it's the last time I buy Coke off of a fucking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's something. I mean, really- he said it was Coke. It turned out to be meth. And I'm like in a fucking hotel for like nine days. I don't know. What's yeah! <laughs> Projects in Coney Island. So I, 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 it's funny because, you know, I always 
like I, I'm obsessed with Wikipedia, right? So I always read tons of shit on Wikipedia. I spend at least an hour a day looking at different weird stuff on Wikipedia. So of course, looking at yours. And you have one of the more interesting things on your wiki page that I haven't seen before on anyone else's. And maybe you know what I'm going to ask you about, but it ends with you were robbed of money and your ID while in Dublin, Ireland. Yes. Right. That's, and yeah, like I, it is how is that even there? Like I've not seen someone else with a, like any type of, Oh, this person got mugged in, you know, in Bensonhurst. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the fandom is the one that's controlling the Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, like, you know, I, I want them to include it in my obituary because (laughs) it was, there's gotta be a story to it. There has to be something. Yeah. I was out, um, uh, doing every time I go to a city, I take a, I do a little photo shoot in front of a landmark. And so I was in Dublin, Ireland, my friend, Caitlin and I, we went to, uh, the Guinness brewery and we're like, yeah, we were like, we're going to take a picture in full drag. Like, let us just put our little purses down for a second. We put our purses by her feet. I backed off for a picture. I mean, I'm in the top, some of the tallest heels I've ever worn and, uh, on a cobblestone street. And this guy goes sprinting by and it's just like this little pale redheaded guy. Fucking um, gingers. Just just going by and he snatches our stuff and just runs. And I go running after him like (laughs) in heels. In heels, just like a newborn foal, just like trying to navigate. <laughs> you know, there's the video of that somewhere. Yeah, the, just I feel I I hope there is. And you know, the police came to the theater to take a report and everything, and we're like in Ireland trying to des- describe this uh, th- th- that a redhead uh, <laughs> t- took our stuff. They're they're like, we'll find him right away. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm just like I. Absolutely was he, ridiculous. Was he in a newsboy cap? Did he, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Some fucking extra from newsies. Some yeah, twink exactly. just fucking ran by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it how, how because Wikipedia obviously is controlled by, you know, like you can't edit your own page. So like right. you have people that yeah. kind of like that, that'll do it and your fandoms are all over that. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I'm just I'm sorry, but can you imagine? I mean, how viral that video would go? Oh, absolutely. A little redheaded God. Irish guy being chased by a six by foot six <laughs> drag queen. <laughs> yeah. Queen in front of the Guinness Brewery. Oh, my God. Not to mention that. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm picturing this, but your your knees kind of buckling as your heel yeah. gets caught in the cobblestone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. The skirt at your hips. Just like a baby goat. Yeah. Yeah. Just ridiculous. (laughs) So Uh, I want to turn, I want to go a little serious, uh, if you don't mind, Miss Cracker. And uh, I want to talk about um, representation. Yeah. And I want to talk about the current news cycle and essentially what's going on with um, uh, funding for arts. And specifically, there was a story about. a couple of uh, drag uh, story times that were done in libraries. Right. And they were getting um, a po- they were It was being posed by local government in New York city saying that it was um, that, 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 that it shouldn't get funding. 
Um, right. You know, in, in this day and age where it has been a polarized America for four years um, under the, the former administration, um, what's your feelings on kind of how, how, how everything is shaping up, especially in the most, quote unquote, progressive city in the world, New York City, that we still have to kind of fight uh, for this? I think it's so ridiculous that drag queens are looked upon as the biggest threat to uh, to families and children and society um, when we are pummeling ourselves, children, uh, women with violent, sexualized images all the time in movies and television shows and i'll make a joke about chlamydia every once in a while here and there uh but i i don't think that i'm damaging american families by telling the truth about my health (laughs) i think i think that the things that are really damaging are um the way that we make children and women and families feel about their bodies and about um, sex and through through so many other channels in mainstream media. Uh, drag queens couldn't even begin to touch that. I think it's pointing the finger in, in a very bizarre direction. Uh, as Jada Essence Hall would say in her season, it's a look over there. Um, you know, like, look over there, that thing. Right. Uh, it's not really pointing to the, the heart of the issue. And... Right. Yeah, it's a distraction. Are there pl- like states or places that you like that you just can't go to to do your show because you know that they just don't support the lifestyle? Uh, I had an interesting experience in Jacksonville, Florida, where uh, <laughs> why do we know the, it's Florida? <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, I was like riding in an Uber. I had been doing my little project where I do a video or photo shoot at a landmark. And we had gone to this landmark restaurant and the Uber driver asked if I was a transgendered. And uh, I said, no, that I was a drag queen. And he said, I was threatening American families. And we had to go through this whole 90 minute conversation um, on this very long Uber ride that was just like making me sweat with rage. And then when I got to the venue, to do my show uh the proud boys were there um and i was just like you know a lot of the people that were in the meet and greet that day said and i think honestly that that my experience that day did not represent jacksonville but it was a good reminder that here in america those sentiments are still alive and well and no matter where you are in this country you got to keep yourself safe and you got to make sure that when you can, where you can, you're fighting to combat that kind of stuff because it, it still it still is alive and well. Like I said, right. it is. And um, I'm going to ask you another question. So, Ms. Cracker, obviously, we all know about the discrimination that happens against straight in our community. And I say our community because I'm part of the community as well. But is there a discrimination within the gay community as well um, against white versus let's say Asians or blacks. Is it, is it, I feel like um, it's kind of more in the uh, zeitgeist now. A uh, perfect example is that new movie Fire Island. That Fire Island. Out, yeah. Which kind of talks about those discrepancies. I, I feel that there's a lot happening in there. Have you ever seen that kind of happen even in our most eclectic city in the world? If you're asking if white people are racist, yes. <laughs> See, I told you I would get at least one guest to say it. 
<laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you see it in the way that people express their sexual preferences. They say no Asians, you know, like no I black guys. Block those right away, right? Yeah, exactly. No, but then again, and then also no feminine. Uh, mm-hmm. No trans. Or, oh, you know, I block like, anybody that says no drugs. By the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, no you don't smoking. want coke? You want, you want yeah. clean fun? Fuck you! Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is. It, it's. It's very interesting to see this. I, I will say one of my favorite. Um, uh, kind of like, and, and I want to bring this to a nicer light is, you know, and, and sometimes in the most unexpected places, you find people that are more accepting. I was, we did uh, shows in, we did a uh, festival out in Boise, Idaho. And I don't know if you remember this, but I was there a week prior to do a walkthrough of the spaces and everything like that. And it just so happened that they were doing a, uh, a junior drag show. And these yeah. were drag queens that were under the age of 18 and the people, and it was packed. I mean, this theater, it's a place called lounge at the end of the universe run by Jen Adams, fantastic yeah. place, but it's a safe space. And to see so many young adults kind of like excited and being around everyone. But what was more inspiring is seeing moms and dads in the yeah. audience cheering them yeah. on. And I remember texting you and I remember showing, I was like showing, uh, showing, showing, cause you had sent back like, that's awesome. I was like, yeah. tell them good luck. And I remember showing that text message to some of them and the, the look of joy. Um, yeah. What do you say to somebody that is, you know, 11 or 12 and says, you know what? I, uh, I like doing makeup tutorials. I like the idea of, uh, you know, you know, putting on a show. I want to be Britney Spears for, uh, for Halloween. What do you right. say to them? Uh, the only thing that I would say is that, uh, no matter what you do, work as hard as you can and make sure that what you do is making that the point is to make other people happy, to bring joy to other people. Um, because if you ever get twisted around to thinking it's about making money or getting, uh, Instagram likes or, um, follows or anything like that, uh, fame, like you're going to lose your way. You're going to be constantly unsatisfied because it's never going to be enough money. It's never going to be enough follows. It's never going to be enough likes, never going to be enough fame. Just think about walking out of your house and bringing a smile to some people's faces and uh, making people see something beautiful. Um, that's really satisfying. And that's what keeps me going. You know, awesome. I mean, I, my, my next question is what do you say to the parents that, and you know, the family members and the friends that are unsure of what to say to those that are, you know, described, uh, you know, in, in, in general terms as different, what do you yeah. say to them? How, how do, how, how can they make their loved one feel better? Okay. Well, first of all, I want to say that it's okay to be confused about what to do and to not know how you feel. Nobody's perfect. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to, uh, navigate challenges with your children perfectly <laughs> every time. Like nobody's supposed to do that. So give yourself permission to fuck up first of all. Um, and second of all, the only thing that you have to say, uh, is that I love you, you know, and, uh, whatever you do from there is up to your discretion. I love that. I love that. But if, if you make, if you make it clear that, that you, that you love your child, Everything you do after that, you can fuck up in a lot of different directions, but them having that basic thing, I think that's what gave me the confidence to be who I am. 
it took my <laughs> my mother a long time and and me to figure out who I was. We figure out who I was together, but I never had any question in my mind about whether or not she loved me. And so we both fucked up in our communication over the years, but we remained strong because we were clear about loving each other. And that's mm-hmm. that's the foundation. I love that. I love that. I am. Oh, that makes me feel so good inside. I do want to ask on the other avenue that, you know, you were raised Jewish. Um, You know, I'm noticing. And just because I work in comedy, uh, the owners of the comedy club that I work for are uh, reform. And, uh, you know, uh, Donnie keeps uh, the Sabbath um, every week. I I had this. this idea that maybe it was a little bit too schism uh, against the, you know, uh, the community. I see it's a little bit more open as of late. Um, You know, some great people kind of coming through uh, that are of the Jewish faith. Do you still celebrate your faith? Yeah, I do still celebrate my faith. And a big part of my faith is uh, my best friend, my closest friend, Foster. She and I met in college and I had not been observing even the high holy holidays for many years when I met her. And she was the kind of person that was like, listen, you are who you are. You should know who you are. And so we celebrate holidays together uh, now, especially Passover. She holds Mm. this huge Passover event for all of her friends where everyone has to make puppets and work together to tell the story of the Passover. Um, uh, and and it, 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 it's not just Jewish people. It's the goy. It's a bunch of goys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's very passionate, not just about celebrating her faith for herself, but in teaching other people about it too, because people are very ignorant of the Jewish faith. So for me, I think this is the most important era of my Jewishness because I was so young when I was part of the Hasidic community in Seattle that that fades into the background. And this, this era now is, is much more important to me because it's steered, it's steered by me. And I wear my star of David with pride and I love exactly how Jewish I am because it's exactly right for me. And I think that's, that's important for every Jew to know the amount of Jewish that you are, whatever it is, it's right for you. And if you feel like changing it, absolutely. But there's no right way (laughs) to be Jewish. So, so don't, don't get that in your head that you have to do certain things. Yeah. All right. I try, Um, I try to do as little as possible. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Does anybody else do cocaine when they're supposed to be fasting? Is that just me? Yeah. Maybe like pop a couple Adderall just to be like, all right. And then I'll come down. And then by yeah. the time the brisket will be ready, it'd be perfect. <laughs> if that were the case, then I'd celebrate Ramadan too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ms. Cracker, you are such a, just a delight to have on. We love having you here. Um, we're so excited for the special. Can you tell us a little bit more? Where can everybody find it? You can find it on Apple TV, on Amazon, on YouTube, on a lot of streaming uh, platforms. But those are those are the ones. Um, and I think there is uh, the album is out on Spotify. So yes, yeah, yes, just yes. just God forgive me. I am an Amazon girl. So uh, mm. just search it there and and bring it up and spend spend a, a nice hour with me. Um, yes, I ended up. By the way, I ended up talking for an hour and fifteen. Um, when they had to edit, they had to edit. So what you're getting 
is the very best of the special minus what my dad didn't want me to tell everyone. So <laughs> very <laughs> You can get that on the DVD coming out. You can get that on the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you can catch that story uh, live in Providence, uh, in P-Town. Uh, when's right. that, when's, how long are you running in P-Town, Till? Till August 6th. So Amazing. Um, three weeks. I mean, I was supposed to go last week for uh, for Bear Week, and yeah. I did not make it. You got to uh, come. I know, I know, I know. I'm going to try and make it. Judy's been, Judy Gold's been telling me to get up there. Jessica Kirsten, I'm like, all right, I need to get up there. I need to go. Yeah. And if, especially if you're going to be up there till August. Ms. Cracker, we always end uh, all of our, our, our shows on a positive note because I like to eat. Greg likes to eat. Yeah. You like to eat as well. Are you a big eater? It's a problem. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what was the best thing that you ate this week? Uh, I had crab eggs Benedict. Yes. Uh, crab cake eggs Benedict. Yes. That was yes. so good. That was so good. I do want to mention one more thing. Sure. Uh, uh, if you love, if you don't love drag, but you do love comedians, my uh, show features not just me, but uh, uh, some surprise appearances by Kat Cohen, uh, <gasps> Zach Kimmerman. Oh, Zachary. Yeah. So, like, it's. Um, just there's special surprises today. if you need a little in to liking drag. There's there'll, there'll be some brilliant comedians in there as well. So love, 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 love. Wait, so wait, wait, did you get the did you get the the uh, eggs Benedict crab meat in Provincetown? Yes, I did. Where where I got it at Cafe Haven or Heaven Cafe. Is one it, of those two is that a, is that the one? That's on. It's not on the main main one. It's, it's on, on commercial. Side. It's on commercial. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where that. And it was so good. Oh my gosh! What did you and wash it down with? You have a mimosa with that? Uh, I, yes, I did. I had yes. a mimosa and and coffee because she can't decide. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. I have the Trinity traditionally. I have the yeah. I have the mimosa, coffee, and a glass of water. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the whole <laughs> Trinity. <laughs> what What's your? You have a favorite restaurant in P Town? I haven't been able to choose uh, what's my favorite restaurant yet, but a place that I always end up after barking and passing out flyers is Bayside Betsy's. We've basically made ourselves a home there because it's the perfect midway point between the tea dance and the theater. So right. we drop in there and uh, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful to, place. Yeah, ever go to Lobster Pot? Uh, we walked by it the other day and we really want to go. Uh, we're probably going to end up going today. Um, First of I all, you're, some a, photos you're, out in front you're, of you're a terrible That's Jew great. for eating all the shellfish. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, if you want to move it, lobster pot, it's not to wait for a table. It's just to go to the bar upstairs and sit at the bar upstairs. Okay. Okay, that, cool. That's, that's well, idea. I'm going to go up. I don't care if you're going to come with me. I'm going to plan to go up there and either I'll bring a twink or I'll find a twink up there. I don't care. Yes! <laughs> There's a twink shortage here. Uh, it's a lot. Oh, of, is there? A lot of silver foxes. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe I'll just bring a whole harem of twinks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Cracker, it is a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much yeah, uh, for joining you. us today. A lot of fun. This is amazing. Fun. We're so excited, guys. Go out and watch the special. Download the special. Listen to the special. Um, all of that. Follow Ms. Cracker on all sorts of platforms. You are an icon, my friend. So thank you so much. Thank you for working hard in our industry and, uh, and, and being a beacon for our community as well. 
thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to both of you. And uh, I hope I'll be seeing you soon up here. Definitely. Talk to you soon, Miss Cracker. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>